Hi, mate. How are we doing this week? I'm all right. Good. Yeah, I'm all good. Lovely day today. Very nice day. Very sunny for this country. Absolutely, yeah. But it's been very warm today, actually. For a change. It has, It's yeah, been freezing for the last six months, but yeah, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, it's nice to have a nice day. Good, good. Have you been rehearsing? Yeah, been rehearsing. Busy, busy, busy. I know I say I'm always busy. <laughs> He's busy again. <laughs> but uh, Our listeners are going to be really <laughs> laughing, though. But no, there's been a lot of rehearsals. Yeah, it's good. been quite intense. When do you start? Uh, we fly out on the... No, we don't fly out. We get on the bus on the 22nd. Because ah, right. we're on the we're on the bus with another band, so there's two of us, two bands. Okay. And then we then we go. Are they the support band? Uh, or say support. It's complicated. No, they're not our support band. They're another band. They're they're not, ma- they're they're not the support listeners. They're, they're not the support. They're band. our maiden support band. Uh, <laughs> not right. our support band. But anyway, um, we, okay. we're going out to Slovenia. Oh, cool. So yeah. And it all right. kicks off from there. Right. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, yeah. now it's our last podcast today of our very first season. And um, it's a special one. Very special. Um, we've got a fantastic young lady in from the States. Very gifted. Um, very, very gifted. Um, an unbelievable guitar player. I went to see her with a mutual friend of ours in Norwich. Yeah. Um she she blew me away. Um I, I what can I say? The voice un I was talking to her earlier. Um her voice reminds me of Karen Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that lightly. Um she is amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, tonight we've got the fabulous, the wonderful, the songstress, singer, mm. songwriter, Ariel. Well, thank you, Ariel, for coming over tonight. That's uh, at the old Rocker Studio. We, and interrupting your tour, um, it's, it's brilliant. Thank you so much for giving us your time and come to talk to us. And um, what I'm going to do, first of all, I'm, I'm going to pass you straight over to uh, our, my co-host and good friend Simon because he's dying to ask you about your new album, 73. Yeah, as I said, we, you know, we think the album's fantastic. I mean, are you happy with the album? Well, thank you. Um, yes, I, I am happy with it. There were some conscious changes that I made from the last album, uh, Analog Girl in a Digital World. That album was very much trying to figure out what about the time period, the 60s and 70s, made music so timeless, both in songwriting and also recording techniques. Yeah. So, And that all, album was also a concept album. So it was a little bit different than 73, which it was not a concept album, it was more just songs that I thought would go along together well yeah. versus the other one. We did record it completely live. And this particular album, I wanted to be a little bit more relaxed in the structure. Yeah. So all of the solos and everything are completely cued. And right. the there are some overdubs, but very few, very minimal compared to the last one. And I also had some some really cool people work on it after. it was uh, It was mixed by Kevin Shirley. Who's doing most of the Joe Bonamassa stuff? And actually, some Iron Maiden stuff as well. Okay, yeah. So he mixed it, and it was mastered by Bob Ludwig, and he brought him on. So it was just, it was just a, kind of a bunch of heavy hitters Old on there. School Bob Ludwig. He's been doing it for years. Hasn't he's it? still doing it. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, I know. He's, he's from Hendrix to now. It's yeah. it's crazy. His his catalog of work. He's Amazing. he's worked on. 
So you, you did you say you record you played the album live in the studio? Did you yes. do it that way? Yes. Fantastic. The other one was as well. We right. have four people and oftentimes five. I have another guitar player sometimes, so they'll do rhythm guitar. Yeah. And the leads can be done live. Yeah. And it's completely structured. Yeah. Oftentimes I'll just give the the band a set list or a, a, a chord chart with just a little recording on my phone of me just playing acoustically through a song and then we just hit go wow and uh start from there uh, there's never any tuning um and and if i'm not singing the vocals live we we do one take and if there's something maybe that we don't love we just switch to another take okay. it's not super polished in that way and we focused a lot on getting the tone right i spent a lot of time with the guitar, there aren't any effects short of one, and that is a, a chorus pedal, a TC Electronics chorus pedal. So it's the limitations that I could, that I put on myself to try to be more more creative. Yeah. But I'm already on the next one. and, and <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Yeah. And did you record it in, in Nashville? Where did you record it? That one was recorded in Austin, Texas, oh, at a okay. place called The Bubble. Oh, okay. I recorded half of the last album there, the digital side. Yeah. My last album was half analog, half digital. Yeah. And I recorded the digital part in okay. in that particular studio. I I liked the sound that he had for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think the next one's going to be tape. But it was fun being in Austin. It's a great place, isn't it? Yeah. It's vibey, isn't it? It's super vibey. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been there for years, but it was vibey back in 20-odd years ago when I was touring in the U.S. Yeah. 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 It's very much... What's cool about about Austin is, unlike maybe L.A. or, or Nashville, it's really not segregated to a certain style. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more kind of alternative indie stuff and obviously a lot of blues kind of rock like Stevie Ray Vaughan stuff, but also everything else in between. Yeah. I think it's the most diverse city, right. music city in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool. And people come out to shows. Good. Oh, that's yeah, great. Can't always be said for Nashville. Or... And it's warm. It's hot, yeah. <laughs> warm is an I'm understatement during the summer. Well, we're great at understating things. Yes, we guys. are. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. No, it's lovely. Yeah. So, where I like to ask you, um, you know, how did you get started? What, um, you know, how old were you when you when you started, and and why guitar? <laughs> well. I actually I started per- performing when I was five. I was in a kindergarten, or, wow. no, a, a preschool. Okay. And uh, when I was five, and you know, when you're little, you sing silly songs. Like I know there's different songs here, but you are my sunshine and all those silly songs. And yeah. apparently, one of the teachers had said to my parents, "Hey, she actually sings really well. You might want to do something with her voice." And my parents, who have no musical abilities at all, both okay. of them are. Uh, one's a pathologist and one was a periodontist. So very kind of different world. Completely, completely different, different world. world. Yeah. They're like, okay, cool, extracurricular activity for her. So they threw me in a choir outside of school and I was learning how to read music, playing piano. And I was touring in a choir before I even touched a guitar. And we toured all over Europe and we played at uh, American football games and baseball games. And um, and I was doing that. Yeah. And that was, that was the I guess, the classical training that I guess you could mm-hmm. you could say and taught me a lot about reading music but also hearing different parts and and things going on and uh and i wanted to play guitar so badly (laughs) but my parents wouldn't let me have one because my dad said that girls don't play guitar and i was inspired to play guitar because i saw a video of 
Queen live at Wembley. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a babysitter that put it on because my parents were not into that at all. It's more like jazz and opera. Okay. Um, I had older parents. They were born in the 40s. And so kind of missed out on on some of the rock stuff until okay. I was maybe like 10, 10 early teens. Mm. And so my babysitter introduced me to Queen. And I know most people pay attention to Freddie Mercury when they don't necessarily know the band. But I saw Brian May and I said... Uh, whatever that is, that's what I need to do. Just instant. <laughs> that's that's it. Wow. It just felt like yeah. a, it was a light bulb moment. What a legend! <laughs> yeah, it's funny that that whole situation is, is funny. Uh, so I played uh, trumpet. I just anything that's kind of loud and obnoxious is kind of what I what I dug. And they're like, you should play the flute. So I played the flute, and I didn't like it. And violin, I didn't like it. Trumpet was cool. And then eventually, when I was ten, I got my first guitar. And uh, it was just what I did. I, I graduated school early because all I wanted to do was play guitar. And hmm. and uh, at that point, I was I was hooked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, I mean, um, how did you say you start to play guitar? Well, we all know that you're known for your guitar two tone. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how did um, you've learned to play guitar? So getting into construction and building a guitar. Could you not find a off the peg, we'll say, guitar that you like? So you, mm-hmm. you you obviously moved to or wanted to create your own guitar. So how did that come about? And how old were you at the time? It's a good question. A very thoughtful question, the way you asked it. I was going to music school at the time. Mm. I graduated high school early when I was 16. And I was living in San Francisco at the time and decided I was going to move to Hollywood and go to music school, a Musicians okay. Institute in Hollywood. That was what I was going to do. And at the time, I went to go visit Uli John Roth had a Sky Academy there. He has this yeah, yeah. this camp that he does. Very interesting. He's he's amazing. And he has all sorts of... Obviously, he plays his own guitar as well, the Sky guitar. And one of very few people who have their own thing, I think, their own custom guitar, uh, as well as yeah. Brian, of course. They're unusual, these guitars, aren't they? They're wild. Yeah, I mean, they are. And they get progressively <laughs> weirder as time goes on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there's 10 effects in here, and, you know, and he has, like, extra gain, like, 10 dB, 12 dB of gain, like, built in. He's got a looper. He's got all sorts of crazy things. And, mm. um MIDI cables and uh, it's uh, the robot tuners. He's got everything in there. Mm. And the way he plays is, it's unreal. But at that camp, when I was 16, right Mm. before I moved to Hollywood and went to school there, there was a guy named Patrick Yates. And a lot of the fans of Uli there all tried to recreate the Sky Guitar. And these were just hobbyists that loved Uli and maybe couldn't even play very well, but tried to build guitars. Just similar to the Brian May fans. they they A yeah, lot of yeah. them just try to build the Red Special out of, yeah. I guess, uh, passion. They're just passionate about it. Yeah. And there was a guy there, and he had built a couple of kind of bad replicas of the Sky Guitar. And I said, hey, you know, would you... I was inspired by the Brian May guitar, obviously, and, mm. and the story that he had behind it, building it when he was 16. But the but as I I asked him if he would if he would work on a guitar with me, so that was kind of the initial talking or the works of okay. of building the guitar. But then when I was living in Hollywood a few months after that, I'd be going to class, and I had all the extracurricular classes. I was in school 10 hours a day, practicing 12, 13 hours a day. I had no personal life. Still don't, but that's another story. <laughs> and um, I would have, I could only bring one guitar. I'd walk to school. 
and I'd carry one guitar in my back, but I'd have classical, country, fingerstyle, uh, all sorts of different genres of guitar, and Why? I wouldn't know which one to bring. So if I w- was doing country that day and had, um, I don't know, a Strat or a tele, I didn't own, own a Tele, but something close enough, or if I had my classical guitar, I, it wouldn't fit with the other one. So I had five guitars that I was swishing between on any given day, and it, and it frustrated me because I didn't know which guitar to bring. And so what we did was I combined with very little knowledge and understanding of guitars and, and specifications of them. We combined five different guitars that I had and then created two tone. So it was it was the scale, <laughs> a scale length of a 1982 Bernie Rico Warlock. It's a 25 and a half inch scale length with a reverse headstock. Okay. That's and um, it also has diamond inlays uh, similar to two tone. Um, but then I had a, uh, what's called a Squire Jazz Master. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or Jag Master. Sorry, yeah, it's yeah. a combination of the two, and only Squire did it, um, where it's combined Jaguar and a Jazz Master. And uh, it had the floating tremolo kind of thing with Jeff Beck style. So I, I took the bridge element and the uh, kind of whammy bar thing from that. I had a red special, so I took the pickup selectors and the pickups from that, but I flipped them uh, vertical versus horizontal like Brian has. Um, And then I also had, well, I love the look of a Firebird, but I did not like that it only had, you know, 21, 22 frets, depending, and I I didn't like the scale length. So I liked the look of it, Mm -hmm. Um, kind of an explorer. Um, And there's a few other things that... um, that I combined. Oh, and the last one was a, a Les Paul. I had a Manhattan Midnight uh, Les Paul with Gibson, uh, with ebony um, it, it, uh, fingerboard, mm. and it was blue. And so between those particular things and a few <laughs> things that I wanted, yeah. we combined all of that to create what two tone is. Wow. Now, and I didn't know anything about it, and that was in 2006 when we first started okay. that. It was finished in almost 2008. And since then, well, actually, during that time period, Patrick disappeared, and he's okay. still gone. So it's 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 right. it's kind of a it sounds ridiculous because how do people disappear nowadays because of social media? So you've had no contact with him then since, or no? So wow. in two thousand eight, I actually moved to England uh, because okay. Well, what's even weirder is, of course, the guy who inspired me to play guitar in the first place. We I, I befriended in two thousand seven, and uh, he actually invited me. Brian May invited me to come play "We Will Rock You" in two thousand eight. Yes. But, uh, during that time period, we, I was working on Two Tone with Patrick, um, who I'd met at Sky Academy, and he kept telling me, he's like, hey, hey, we, we have to finish this. Like, you can't be so picky. We just have to, we have to work on this. And we had some help. He's an amateur. Like I said, he built maybe three guitars before Two Tone. And we had some help. And he just kept saying that. And one day, it, I would call, I called him and the the phone wouldn't go through the phone call wouldn't go through went to his house nobody was there I emailed him it got sent back and i'm like what the heck he has my guitar he kept telling me like i didn't know what this weird like pending doom situation was it's almost like i'm making it up but i i'm, 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 I'm not it's, it's weird and uh he disappeared and i thought the guitar disappeared with him and uh three months later i'd moved to the uk and my mom uh i got a package at the door and said hey uh there's a package here with your guitar in it. I said, are you kidding me? She's like, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, the pickguard was, none of the electronics were in it, but it was, it was two-tone. And so, um, 
I took two tone, and at that point, that's that was my main thing. And I I haven't talked to Patrick since, and don't know where he went. Some of my some of my fans are. One of them was a private investigator, and yeah. uh, by by trade, and and went and researched where he went, and saw it like maybe he went to jail for like selling pot back in the day when it was like really terrible, but um, haven't been able to find him since. So uh, strange. It's so funny. It's all. And I, I mean, he's just gone. And, gone. and even asking Uli and people who are at the Sky Academy, I have photos of him. So I know he existed. I'm like, did he even, did I just make it up? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, it's been right. so long now. I just make wow. up this like weird story about it. But yeah. So since then, it's just um, been been my guitar. And I hated it at first, honestly. And I, I spent $550 to make it. So I just figured that was a lot of money to me at the time. Absolutely. And, uh, and, I, and I didn't like it. And for the past 14 or 15 years, I've made every variation you could think from changing scale length, pickups, set neck, uh, bolt on, neck through, every variation that would affect it sonically, I've done, mm-hmm. only to come back to the original. <laughs> wow. You know that's how that it works. often happens. 15 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. Yeah, you got it yeah. right the first time by complete accident. <laughs> so, um, so if we, um, you've got two tone then. So how did you get your first break How, what what did you get discovered because obviously we've we've been doing a little bit of research yeah and uh i believe was it nuno betancourt yeah yeah he was one of the first i met brian before him but but i think nuno really helped um put me on the map i guess as far as definitely a guitar player yeah yeah mm. and it was right around that time period that i was playing for CeeLo green yeah. When he had that big song, uh, Forget You. Yeah, yeah. It was big in the States. I don't know about here. Oh, he met, what, no, what was he who wrote that? That was. Gnarls Barkley. Yes. Uh, it was big here, I think. Oh, no, it was um, no, um, Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. That's right. Yeah, he was in yeah. New Bar- yeah, yeah, that's how yeah. it worked. Um, yeah. So it was it was huge song. Yeah. Uh, and I was playing with him at that point. And so, and then that's when Nuno, I was just telling uh, a friend the story, but uh, yeah, I had met. Nuno through a producer friend of mine and okay. he didn't even tell me Nuno was coming we were working on a song and in comes Nuno <laughs> and I wasn't even I was like oh hello <laughs> did they cool. warn me next time but um yeah we we clicked immediately and yeah, yeah. he became a good friend he's really cool and yeah. um a, a good guy on top of being obviously a ridiculous guitar player yeah absolutely and so he got me uh, a record deal in LA at the time when record deals in 2000 2009 at this point okay. i'd already done work with brian but it, i was still pretty young and it was only we will rock you yeah. and he got me my first record deal and uh yeah. and, and really helped me along the way yeah. did you record because uh, i believe your first album was after the storm wasn't it the very first one was and that was pre-nuno ah. but the ones after basically it's a long ridiculous story but and i talk uh, i talk a little bit there's a classic rock um magazine story that just came out this month i haven't even seen it well I, somebody brought it to my uh merch with a couple of days ago so i know it's okay. out now but yeah i haven't got one yet but it tells a story that everything basically every song i have pre-2015 i can't do anything with because that record label ended up you know i ended up being one of the bad stories of what happens oh, in los angeles blimey uh but 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 after the storm was was pre-record label as well Right, right, okay. And that's before you I could, wanted to sing. You could still use those ones, then. Not, no, I can't. Oh, they're not tied up. Well, I guess in theory I could, and they might yeah. just get mad at me if they hear that. But it's mainly the stuff that I did after that. Yeah. But it was before I really wanted to sing. I just wanted to be a guitar player. Right. And I, I guess maybe I, I heard I heard um, 
Hendrix talk about the fact that, not that I'm comparing myself to him at all, but the idea that I didn't really want to sing, mm-hmm. even though I was in a choir, I kind of, I, I, I didn't really want to be Well, I'm glad you singer. did, because what a loss that would have been. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. It seemed like I just wanted to be the guitar player. Now, now I think they they go together really well. Yeah, I think I'd be. Yeah. I feel super awkward just singing, and much better pl- probably just playing guitar. But but both of them together is kind of they have yeah. a they have a thing now. Yeah, a symbiotic yeah. relationship. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So on, um, have you you signed now to another label or, or uh, yeah, an independent one right small now? Independent. Yeah. And what, did you? Uh, how, how long have you been with that label then? Oh, it's pretty new. Just, just, just a couple months. Um, it's, it took all this time. Uh, I left my last one in 2000. Well, at the time the legal battle ended, it, it was maybe three years after. So I'd say probably since 2015. So it took me this long to feel like, okay, I could do this. How did that affect you personally? All that hassle? Oh, it was a nightmare. Uh, I was, um, it was, well, uh, I actually got offered the the Alice Cooper gig before Nita Strauss did, and okay. this was again probably around 2000, 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. And I had a song on the radio called California. Yeah, it was doing really well in country music. So I didn't really think it was very country, but it did really well. And I was doing a radio tour for that, and then I got the call because in LA it was kind of between me and Orianthe. I was just the brunette one, and then she was the blonde one. I know it oh, sounds yeah, yeah, it yeah. sounds really bad, but at the time they really did care about that. Mm-hmm. Maybe less now, but at the time mm-hmm. uh, that Things was the have thing. really changed over the last few and, years. And for the better, and for the better, yeah. For the better, yeah. For yeah. The better, it's, yeah. Terrible, absolutely. It's pretty terrible. bad. Yeah. But at the time, um, I was offered the gig, and they said we have to wear a blonde wig, and really? kind of you know, put blood on your face, kind of part of the the show, yeah. which to me felt, um, mm-hmm. I just thought long-term that, you know, I would love to play with Alice Cooper. It sounds like a great gig, but it was, it was a nine month commitment. They're paying good money and the label wanted me to do it, but mm-hmm. I was really wanting to do my solo career and I didn't want to be pigeonholed. I'm sure you guys know that as a, yeah. well, really mm-hmm. anybody, but particularly a woman that plays guitar, it's really easy to get pigeonholed into Absolutely. said category that people Absolutely. learn you, about you with. So yeah, I get that. Um, and so, and it works like Nita Strauss is amazing with that. It, it was actually a much better fit than me, but I wanted to do the singer songwriter kind of yep. also plays guitar thing. And um, so I said no to that. And of mm-hmm. course they said, well, you, need to do that or else it's breach of contract and i said well i'm actually fulfilling the contract which was my own thing anyway of course that blew up in my face i've breached the contract now and i owe them five hundred thousand dollars of which i didn't spend a dollar of mm-hmm. um it was, Crazy, it was a nightmare oh. it was a complete nightmare and it ended up being so bad that i had to hire a litigator i was 22 23 and these are multi multi-billionaires oh, yeah. um and uh, I had to file bankruptcy to get out of this whole thing. I lost everything, including all my songs, at a period of about three years where I couldn't perform under my name at all. Mm. And it was during that time period that I think it really hardened uh, my um, intention or, or solidified my intention of resolve. Yeah, of yeah, wanting yeah, yeah. to. I was like, I could just say screw this right now and never perform under my name yeah. again. Not and, deal and with a lot this. of people would. I considered it many times, and and even still sometimes, but. It was uh, it was a commitment that I, if I were to do it again and try and get through that time period, because it was crazy. I mean, I, we it got to the Supreme Court level of the mm-hmm. bankruptcy court because they fought it. 
they fought it for years and uh, they were trying to take my guitars away, including two-tone hmm. um, at the very end. And that's when, the thankfully, the judge said, you know, why are you, you she's lost everything and now you want yeah. to steal her two dinky guitars, what, to put Believable, on your wall, you know, to stop this. So I was, I was very fortunate for it to end up the way that it did. But um, there was a lot of loss involved and it was at that point that I decided if I was going to do this, it was going to be the right way. It wasn't going to be me compromising because there was a lot of compromises at the time of mm. Music, musically, where I was going, um, and definitely the way I was living my life, you know, it was this the whole like I'm too fat. It was just, it was just any, any kind Horrible. of stereotypical thing that you'd imagine from yeah, like, yeah. a Los Angeles yeah. record label is what yeah. happened. Hmm. Um, despite the fact that I knew that that existed, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, I was just too young signing crazy things and uh, introduction to the music business. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, if that doesn't yeah, toughen you up, um, nothing will. Nothing would. Oh, that's incredible! Mm -hmm. uh, that's a, that is just amazing that you've come through that, and because your music, um, you can't pigeonhole your music. You, it's not country, it's not blues rock, it's 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 a mix, isn't it's it? It's a real diverse mix of styles, and for a young lady to be playing that with proficiency on the guitar, yeah, is amazing, amazing. And uh, you, you've certainly got something unique going on there, I, I feel. Um, it's, it, it's really, really good. So how did, um, just moving along a little bit, uh, yeah. how did you, because uh, we know that you've played with, uh, well, a hero of our producer, Vince Gill. Yeah. How did that, I know you did the guitar competition and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a, a complete, uh, completely random thing. I had um I was, I was just, uh, it was right after the whole situation with what I just explained. And mm. I was just starting to be able to do my own thing again. And I had a, a fan reach out to me and say, Hey, you should sign up for this guitar center competition thing. I've never done a competition. I've definitely never won a competition. <laughs> um, and, uh, I just wanted to meet Vince Gill. He's, well, who wouldn't? I know. <laughs> he's the coolest. He's just, um, anything you can imagine about him is true. He's he's the real deal. He's probably the coolest hear. guy I've ever worked with. Um, I love Vince Gill. I he's like he's so cute because he's a he's a few. I think he's three daughters, but I'm one of them is my age, and so he's just like, you know. I think even when I when I met him, he kind of had that like fatherly quality, and I've yeah. he's been a massive mentor to me. Uh, I met him. The fan had said, hey, there's this Guitar Center competition, which he admitted was just really to promote his album at the time. They'd reached out to him. It was a competition. You know, there are a few hundred people that that had submitted. And I had my audience. You had to recreate one of his songs on mm. his new album called Take Me Down. And um, so instead of just playing a solo on the album, which is what the competition was based around, I actually reproduced the song sung on it because I didn't want him. And this has been a big thing for me is I don't want to just be the female guitar player. Right. Uh, very similar to him or um, maybe a Bonnie Raitt or an Eric Clapton. I wanted to be the all-encompassing singer-songwriter and guitar player. A singer-songwriter who plays guitar. Yeah, has mm. been the order instead of guitar player who sings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or and, and and writes some songs. And so I felt he's the epitome of that. When I think of who I want to be, he's one of the top guys. Mm. And he somehow continues to get better, um, which I'll go into in a second because he's amazing. But yeah, so um, I submitted and my fans voted and I got in first somehow. I don't know how that worked. Um, and then I've gotten to play with him a couple times since, and we've been d really good friends. And he's just the guy. Like, it's like. 
my equivalent of, I don't know, maybe people going to church or something. I go meet with Vince Gill and he just, <laughs> he sets me straight, you know, he, <laughs> he, he just gives not a bad mentor. No, yeah. no, yeah. he's, he's incredible. And he, he's so real yeah, yeah. and humble. Yeah. And he he has his priorities, in my opinion, that are really uh, moving. You know, he's never been the guy to, to focus on how successful he can get. He's he's all about his family and living a good life and being good mm. to people mm. and non-judgmental. And, and at the same time, somehow gets these incredible yeah, um, yeah, opportunities. Yeah. Uh, I played the Crossroads Festival with him and he was right next to Clapton. Clapton put him right before him. Clapton literally had him be the top guy mm. you'd never think of it because most people don't know he's a ridiculous guitar player absolutely on top yeah. of his singing which is to this day in my yeah. opinion untouched the tone of finn scale is amazing isn't it let's be honest it's just he's amazing and uh he anytime i and we meet um often you know we go for lunch maybe once a month and uh and he's taken me to a studio and he's just you know i asked him I said, um, if you were me, what kind of feedback would you would you give? And he said, you you need to remember always that. And he was talking about himself. He said, there's a time period that I had an album out, and the difference between 1,200 people listening to it and at three million people, wow, one note didn't change. The album was entirely the same, and the only thing that changed was somebody listening. He said, he said <laughs> he said two things: do your best and answer the phone. And that's how he got the Eagles gig. He said, everything I've ever done, it's out of your hands. You show up and you answer the phone. Yeah. And I said, I don't answer my phone that much. So I got to work on that. But <laughs> younger people tend not to. Yeah. I know, it's terrible. I've gotten better at it since he told me that. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So he's um, he's a real deal. Oh, that's yeah, fantastic. So I, 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 I've seen the video of you playing, which was that little Adriana. Yeah. yeah it's wow. magic. Oh, magic. I mean, what you played on that, fantastic. Very tasteful. Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. And understated. Yes. Mature. Which is sometimes what you don't yeah. put in. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. You you made that guitar single. Oh, thank you for that. No, that's, that's great. It was one of those moments, I don't have many of them that I can think of, but that was one that I'll remember forever. A live performance that I'll always remember because I, I just felt, and you guys know this probably more than anyone, just that feeling when you're just in the flow. Yeah. And just everything's working. You're in working. the moment and it just, it just works. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't happen to me that often right no, now. Just no, because it hardly ever happens to me. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> your, your gear blows up yeah, or some yeah. guy's distracting yeah. or, you know, whatever, you, your shoes getting in the way of your cables. I don't yeah. know. Just There's always something. Yeah. Have your drums ever blown up, Simon? <laughs> it should have been. <laughs> right? There's always something happening. Oh, yeah, there is. But when it works, it, it's something that's very memorable. It's a great recording, that. Oh. It sounds really that's yeah, really good uh, yeah super real top top quality really really good so um yeah so how many albums have you done there i know we i know you just released your new albums we talked yeah. earlier about 73 but um how many albums have you actually recorded now then i believe there's nine right and there's a lot more stuff that just was never released probably another oh, okay probably four or five albums on top of that maybe wow. more but that i released there's nine right did you go in down the session road as well? Did you do a lot of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. to a point. Yeah. And then I realized, especially now that I'm in Nashville a lot of the time, um, I realized that it's it's very it's very competitive in the fact that you just have, a t have to have a ton of gear because you have to not sound like yourself, right? right. Like when you do a session, right. you don't want to stick out. 
And I feel that that way too. I mean, to a degree, if, if I have a band and every single person's a rock star, it ends up being like, what do you pay? It's distracting, I think, for the audience. Yeah. Not so much an ego thing. But when you're on a recording, um, I realized that I just would need to have all the gear, all the guitars, because I sound like me. And I've just yeah. kind, yeah. kind of come to terms with that. Well, people who come to see you, they're not interested. Well, they want the guy of a good band, but yeah. you, you, they come to see you. Yeah. So you you, you 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 that's you've got to be the you've got to be the person. So, which yeah. you are, obviously. So that was the only thing. I still do a bunch of sessions, but now it's less. Um, hey, can you just be a guitar player? Just a kind of a, I don't know, like the silent person on the album versus hey, I really want you to be featured. And I've just found that that's probably my strong point. It's a very competitive area. I love it so much. I think the studio is probably my favorite thing to do in music yeah, yeah maybe even more so than performing just yeah. a little bit but yeah. um but yeah i i just love playing two-tone so much like can we do like a les paul I'm like, but you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh crap fantastic and what, what about your influences from when you were growing up like other musicians oh dear you talked a lot about the other sort of the older guys and the older people you influenced by yeah i mean i always say my top my top guitar players when i was learning how to play were jeff beck and brian may um and then of course i've gone into i two started brits. With, two brits well that was, <laughs> that was one of the one of the reasons i actually started coming here because yeah, i yeah. it was an experiment to figure out everything's an experiment scientific experiment for me <laughs> um yeah. what's in the, like why 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 in such a concentrated area of a little, Tiny well, little island tiny like this. Island, yeah. yeah. It's what, amazing, isn't it? What is it? So what did you think when you actually got here? I don't know. <laughs> it rains a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does rain a lot. Yeah. yeah. It does rain a lot. But there's something there's something really special here and I I love it. I you know, I'm I'm not quite American, I'm not quite quite um English. I'm like this weird hybrid of I don't really understand either. <laughs> you got a bit of Irish blood in you, I believe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've got that too. And I, I I've spent quite a bit of time there as well. So I'm like a I, what I say, I say American-born English bread or something. It's kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Because I spent half my life here at this point. Oh, um, but Great. yeah, yeah, it's uh. Best of both worlds. Also, I love. I mean, I I love everything from. I was I was mentioning earlier. Just the guitar inspires me. From if I hear music. Uh, usually the di- diversity you might hear in my songwriting because mm. I love the guitar mm. um, or singing too from the Carpenters to just like old jazz to yeah, yeah. doo-wop to country music. If there's cool guitar, I'm I'm in for it. I'm in for uh, it, yeah. Finger style, uh, Ch- you know, Chet Atkins thumb pick stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I just love it so much. The guitar has, has opened up my eyes. But I, I'd say those two are started me yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the yeah. guitar journey. But yeah. Yeah. But um, definitely, there are so many um, that have inspired me. Those are the two main ones. I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. So on your latest album, 73, I mean, how long did it take you to write that? To write it didn't take very long. Yeah. As as you guys probably well know, when you write an album, there's about, at least for me, I choose from about 20, 25 songs and then kind of whittle them down of which which songs there might be a great song on there but maybe it doesn't go along with the other ones yeah so it was kind of a natural progression and and i felt like i was missing a couple and i even added on one later on i'll, I'll get into that later um but 
it took about, I'd say I had some of them written maybe a year or two before that just didn't make it on the last album. But the most of the, the rest of the album, it probably took about three weeks. That sounds kind of silly, but it took a lot longer to record. But I Need an Angel 73 and Weakness for You were actually written within 24 hour period. Uh-huh. Wow. And you read the same group. Angel, you read that that quick. That is oh, an yeah. amazing song. That's one of my favorites on the album. Thank you. That is the vocal on that is stunning. Thank you for that. Yeah. That is superb. That is really good. Another favorite of mine on that was Calypso. Yeah, yeah, Calypso was a jam. I have a <laughs> I wow. have a it was completely accident we had the rhythm track. Okay. First, and then I had no idea what I was going to do. The band had already we had done the, all the rhythm stuff and the lead part, the lead section was not done. Mm. And the after, and I usually don't do it this way, but I had this this song called Take Two that was on um, an album or EP called Mind Lion. And I just was tired. of It just was a little bit too heavy for what I was going for nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to replace it with another instrumental because I only have two, believe it or not. Mm. I need to do more, but I wanted to replace it. So the band and I had jammed on this song. And it's, it's completely live, the rhythm, but the lead... He just hit record, and I'm like, okay. And then just, it came completely <laughs> on its own. I didn't think about it. I didn't write it. Wow. We oh. wrote the rhythm section in the jam, started off with kind of that little bass groovy yeah, thing at the yeah, beginning. Yeah. And it was completely live, other than, you know, the lead stuff. At the end, we overdubbed. It was one of the last things we did. Sometimes when you're in a studio like that and, 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 and things come to pass like that, sometimes it's the best stuff. Yeah. it. it I, I find that most times... Unless it's a written solo, such yeah, as yeah. Uh, Weakness for You, that was a written solo. Yeah, yeah. That was a melodic solo that I created and overdubbed. For them, I find lately that the best stuff is is really just completely improvisational. Yeah. And in the moment. And it might not be the catchiest or the flashiest, but I find that it it's the right thing for the song. It's yeah. a real thing as well, isn't it? It's real. Yeah. And it's easy to recreate, too, because, of course, the, the rig I was playing was the for the most part, short of a couple tiny amps that we use for some some rhythm stuff, is the rig I use live. Right. So it's easy to re- re- to reproduce or replicate the the sounds as well. So what sort of amps do you use live in Ariel? So there's a guy named George Alessandro, and he builds amplifiers in in the, in the U.S. Uh, out of Philadelphia. Okay. And I stumbled upon him by complete accident. He became a friend of mine through some work I had done with Eric Johnson, who had kind of collaborated with him on some speakers because he also works with... Uh, and a song. And a song, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a that's song, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't tell me that was happening. There's a song on his most recent album, I forget. Gypsy... Oh, My Gypsy Heart. Yeah, he my is, Gypsy Heart, he is yeah. on My Gypsy Heart. And I was on his latest album that just came out. Um, cool. I believe it was earlier this year or the end of last year. I can't remember when, but we had written a song. And he's like, oh, it's on the latest album. I'm like, oh, okay. It's kind of funny, but um, we're, we're, he's a he's a good friend of mine. And Isn't she great? <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, oh, I thought oh, that brilliant. was my song, but okay, you can put it on your album, I guess. But uh, but yeah, so um, he had known him, uh, George, through through working with speakers, and George is also renowned for working on um, 
vintage pickups and vintage speakers. He okay. recones them. He's like the guy in the U.S. Uh-huh. And he makes amplifiers. Some of the people who own one of his amplifiers and kind of have a sound is uh, David Gilmore. Okay. He um, does a high watt, but also the Alessandro for his kind of like high gain, uh, high gain stuff. Um, Derek Trucks and uh, I think John Mayer has a few as well. And those are like his oh, signature right. guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Joe yeah, Perry. Yeah. There are a bunch of people that have his amps, and he has got this beautiful amp. I befriended him and worked with him on developing uh, some amplifiers as well as uh, a 15-inch speaker and a couple of things because he has his own speakers with uh, Eminence as well. Mm. And um, we, he, I, <laughs> he had this guy who was selling this amp, and I was doing some demo stuff for him, and this amp came in called the Half AZZ, and um, it's a two-channel amp, and he's like... And Eric did the same thing. I, I got I I was so lucky. I don't know how I got this lucky. I, I really don't. But when I was playing with Eric, one of the things he told me was, <laughs> "Your tone sucks." I was like, "Oh damn!" I mean, he wasn't nice about. I mean, he shouldn't have been nice. I, I'm glad he wasn't nice because <laughs> I learned a lot from him. Man, I probably my tone wasn't. It was very. Um, I was using pedals, um, but uh, it was just very kind of saturated and over compressed and he said uh, yeah. if you want because i was playing in his band at the time i went home and cried in case you're wondering um <laughs> <laughs> for like three days straight i was like yeah. things are bad <laughs> very humbling experience to tell you that i'll tell you what we've all had things like that though oh my gosh yeah, it was yeah. life-changing i'm Absolutely. so glad he did that i thank him to yeah. this day yeah. 